Go ahead. You can be seated. How's everybody doing today? Man, I like this church. It feels like home here. I said, it feels like home here. You know, I have a mantra that I live by, and it goes like this. I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Would you say that with me? I'm in the right place with the right people. Look around. Come on, look around. Say, with the right people doing the right thing. And I believe that, man, when we, when, we, when we declare that over our lives, that's what happens. We talked about that grace in that song, man. You were just preaching so much to me this morning, the grace that's on us. It's the favor of God. It's his preferential, unmerited favor that goes before us. It follows behind us. It surrounds us like a shield. That's what Psalms 512 says. I want to say this to you. Maybe you're, maybe you're new here. Or maybe somebody drug you here. You're in the right place. At the right time, with the right people, doing the right thing. And God has something for you today. The Lord has something for you today. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Uh, Bishop Green and Lady Carmen uh, not only are overseers for me and my, my church, but um, they are friends, and I would say they are more like family to us. And so it's an honor to stand here. Bishop, I love you. You'll probably watch this later. Lady Carmen, thank you for all that you've invested in me, in my family, in our church, in our staff. Thank you so much for your godly leadership in my life. It's a privilege and honor to be here. You've got great pastors. Would you make some noise for your pastors? Come on, you can do better than that. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, the last couple years, uh, getting to know uh, Bishop and Lady Carmen at a not just a pastoral level, but at a friendship level and a family level. They've spoken into our lives uh, so much over the last year and a half as we have trans, uh, trans, um, stepped into the lead role at IFC. And honestly, it feels like this. It feels like home. We're, a, we're an international church. We have 52 nations that worship with us every weekend. And I got to tell you, there's something about coming together with people that look different than you. People that clap different than you. I was hoping we'd get a little two-beater going or something, because we hear, man, we have the one and three. All my folks, you know, they clap on the one and two, but it's good to see people moving around. Uh, if, if you don't know me or you haven't heard about me, uh, my, my wife and I pastor this amazing church. We have three little kids. I have an eight-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Uh, we've been married 11 years, and we've been together for over 20 years. Yeah, go ahead. She, she stick around. And we're honored to, uh, to pastor IFC. I have, a, I have a message for you this morning. I'm, I'm a little fired up, to be honest with you. I just came home from a missions conference where we gathered with many of our missionaries from around the world. And man, to hear what God's doing around the globe, uh, it does something to, to my soul. It does something to my spirit. Because sometimes we lose sight of what God's doing outside of these four walls. Sometimes we, we forget that, 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 that God's doing things across the planet. In different nations, with different people groups, with, with the old, with the young. I really believe we're living in the end times. It gets quiet when you start talking about it. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I said, I believe that Jesus is coming back very soon. And the Bible says in the end times, it says that our young people are going to begin to have dreams. And visions with our old men. And I believe there's the thing happening right now where generations are coming together. Where generations are coming together to give to give glory to God. And, and I believe in the generations. To be honest with you, I, I started in ministry 23 years ago as a youth pastor. 
and they should have never given me the job. I had zero qualifications other than I felt called, and I liked, I liked free pizza. You know, back in, in those times, that's what youth ministry was. It was pizza and video games. And, and I remember taking the students to a, to a youth camp. How many of you went to a youth camp when you were younger? Maybe you went to a day camp or you went away. And, and camp was a big deal at this church that I started on staff with. And, and we took, a, took all these teenagers away, and we were gone for a full week. But, but I had just been hired. And so nobody knew me. I was the brand new youth guy. And, and honestly, I didn't look like the last youth guy. I didn't talk like the last youth minister. And I, I definitely didn't minister like him. And we went to a camp that these students have been going to for the better part of four or five years. And so when I showed up, everybody was checking me out. I had long hair. I had these crazy earrings and my tattoos. And, and, and people were looking at me like, who's this crazy guy? And after the service, man, the power of God moved. And the kids began to leave the the auditorium, they began to head back to the cabins. And some of the youth pastors began to ask me, hey, tell us about yourself. And some of the directors for the camp, they wanted to meet me. And so I got hung up here at the altar talking and meeting people. I think they were just checking me out. Who's this guy? What's he got to say? And in the, in the service, it ended and an hour had gone by and I'm just meeting people and greeting people. And I heard somebody yell, hey, it's lights out. And lights out, you know what that means at youth camp, right? Absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It just means we lock all the kids in and we shut the doors. We contain the craziness in the cabins. And I remember leaving the auditorium and I walked out and it was about a hundred yard walk to where my boys were in their cabins and I could hear this noise coming from the cabins. And I thought, oh man, the worship service is just continued and they, they took it back to the cabins and they're, they're in there worshiping God. I was very optimistic to be honest with you. And I began to hear this noise and this rumble coming from the cabins. And the closer I got, I realized it's not worship music. These kids are not singing. They were shouting and they were, they were chanting something. And, and I, I, was, I started to kind of freak out. I'm, I'm new. I don't know what's going on. And I run towards the cabins to open the doors. And I opened the doors of the cabin. Here was 100 middle school boys lined up in the hallway of that cabin. And they were facing the back. And they were all chanting. As loud as they could, they were chanting, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh my Lord, what in the world is going on? And I'm here and I got to get down the aisle. All the kids are blocking the aisles at the back. And they had one young man held up on the shoulders and he had something in his hand. And so I took my whistle and I, I blew my whistle really loud and everybody stopped and they turned around and I said, hey, everybody shut up. Of course, none of them knew me. I was the brand new guy. And they said, what? And I said, what are y'all doing? What's going on in here? And the guy from the back, one of my youth leaders, had had this young middle school boy propped up, and he said, Mickey's going to eat a cricket. And I had a pause right there in that moment. You ever have a pause, like a, like a time lapse? Like I had this vision to about eight hours before the youth camp. When we were loading all the kids on the bus and, and little Timmy, the kid that I see now in the back with the cricket, his mom pulled me aside before we loaded him up on the bus. And she said, now, I know you're new here and, and, and you don't know all the kids, but would you please look after Timmy? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, Timmy, going to be fine. And she continues to say, now listen, pastor, she said, Timmy, he always gets in trouble. 
because he wants people to like him. And a lot of times, he's willing to do things that nobody else will do just to get people to like him. I said, hey, Timmy's going to be fine. He's going to come home based in the word, fired up with the Holy Spirit. Timmy's coming home changed. Now go back. Now I'm in the moment where I see Timmy in the hallway with this monster cricket in his hand. And about three seconds went by and the kids lost interest in me. They turned around and they began to chant again, eat it, eat it, eat it. And man, they're screaming and yelling, eat it, eat it. I blew the whistle again. And they stopped and I realized the whistle isn't going to do enough. I got to get back there and I got to save Timmy. So I begin to throw middle school boys out of the way and I'm kicking my way down to the aisle. They don't pay attention to me. They began chanting again, eat it, eat it, eat it. And I'm freaking out, inside and outside. I get back to where Timmy is, and they got him hoisted up, and I can see sheer terror on his face. Timmy don't want to eat the cricket. But under pressure, he's going to do it. And I yelled again one last time. I said, hey, everybody shut up. And in this moment, I had this revelation. I'm either going to be the youth pastor that nobody likes, or I'm going to be the hero in this moment. And let Timmy eat this cricket, but make no mistake, whatever decision I make right now, the trajectory of our youth ministry is going to take a huge turn. And I don't know if it was ignorance or if it was the spirit of God, but something came over me and I said, everybody shut up. And they got quiet. And I said, Timmy's not going to eat a cricket today. Because I'm going to eat it. And I grabbed that cricket and I shoved it in my mouth. And man, I was chopping that thing down. And the kids went crazy. They were, Wah! I mean, they were screaming. They were going bonkers. They were thinking it was the greatest thing ever. And after a couple seconds, I finally choked it all down and caught my composure. And all of a sudden, the kid from this end of the hallway yells out, I got a frog. Who's going to eat the frog? That's a true story. And I remember laying in bed that night with indigestion and wondering if I had just made the biggest mistake. Am I going to get in trouble when I get home? Are the parents going to be frustrated with me? And you know how it is in a boy's room. Everybody's making noises and talking. And it finally quieted down probably close to about 2 a.m. And I was laying there on one of those plastic mattresses that they make you sleep on. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord talk to me. And he said, Josh, if you can get students rallied around eating crickets, what could you do with a generation who you rallied around the word of God? What could you do with a generation of students who not only got excited about the word of God, but, but received the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to live their life out intentionally, trusting me and trusting my word as I unfold the plan for their life? For the last 23 years, that's what I've given my life to, is to make sure that the next generation knows the word of God for themselves, that they understand the scriptures for themselves, that they know how to pray, that they know how to trust God, they know how to seek him, and that they know how to turn away from what the world is pushing on them and say, no, 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 that ain't for me. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this morning, I want to share for you just a few minutes. I want to talk about the life of faith. I want to talk about intentional living because when you choose the life of faith, you are being intentional with your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, be intentional. 
A friend of mine, his name's Greg Baca. We have been friends now for over a decade, and we've traveled over to many nations together, and he's actually a part of our team now. Greg asked people all the time, and he asked me this many years ago when I was in a time of transition in my life where I was not knowing what the Lord was speaking to me about the next season and where we should go and what we should do. And he asked me this question, and I pose it to you today. And the question is this, are you living by default, or are you living your life by design? Are you living your life by default, or are you intentionally living out the life that God planned for you, the one that he designed for you? The truth is, is in Jeremiah 29, 11, a scripture that we all know if you grew up in church at all, it says, for I know the thoughts and, come on now, help me out today, for the thoughts and plans that I have for you. They're good thoughts. They're great plans. And hey, if you trust me, man, you're going to succeed at what you want to do and what I have for you to do. I'm going to pause right there. I love the scripture because it's the word plans with an S. It's plural. It means if you screw up his plan, he's got another backup plan right there for you. No matter how many times you screw it up, it's a, and we tell this to people all the time, man, God is the God of second chances. He has a plan for you. Well, I messed that plan up. He's got another plan for you. I messed that one up too. Guess what? He's got more grace than you've got time to count. He's got plans, plural for you. You were created to live the life that God planned for you. And today I want to provoke you to understand that you weren't just created to, to live any normal life. You've been created to live a life above average. John 10.10 says, I came to give you in life more abundantly. One translation says with super abundance. That means you ain't got room for all the blessing he wants to put in your life. That's his intention for you. But we get to choose. I like this. You can put this on the screen. Intentional living, the definition or my definition that I've created for you today is this. Intentional living involves making conscious choices and actively shaping your life according to God's word. I'll read it one more time if you're taking notes. Intentional living involves making conscious choices and actively shaping your life according to God's word. I've got just a couple of things that I want to share this morning with you based on the life of faith. And the first one is, it's a choice. The life of faith, choosing to follow Christ, to, to abandon self, to, to take up our cross every day. The Bible says that's what we're called to do. You have to be reminded today, it's a choice. Nobody can force you to do it. Every one of us that have chosen Christ and his plan for our life, we did it by knowing that he has a plan. And this morning when I woke up, I had the, I had the opportunity to choose his plan or to choose my plan. This morning, you have an opportunity to choose God's plan, to choose the life of faith, or to choose the way that your flesh wants you to go, or your thoughts want you to go, or even worse, what the way society wants you to go. Every day I choose to walk in trust, in faith in God and his word, and I submit myself to his word, not to the culture around me. I see tons of young people in here this morning, which, which make me happy, but it also makes me a little nervous because right now the enemy's working overtime on this generation to trick them into thinking what everybody else is doing is a good plan. And I want to tell you this, if you can't find it in his work, it is not his plan. 
So many people making life choices based on what their buddy thinks or what their mom or dad thinks or what their girlfriend thinks or what their professor thinks or what their teacher thinks. And I'm going to say this to you very boldly. You will stand before God and we'll give an account for our life for his plan and what we did with his son Jesus. The truth is, is you choose because uh, uh, the life of faith is not an easy life. I think some of us, we, we, we grew up in church, and when we finally made a decision to, to go all in and to push it in with the Lord, man, it's going to be easy now. And for, for me, I'll just be honest with you, it wasn't ever easy. How many of you thought getting saved and giving your life to Christ was going to be easy? Like, all my problems are going to go away. Man, now that I'm saved, the enemy's going to leave me alone. I'm finally going to have some money. I'm finally going to have some friends. I'm finally going to have a great job. I'm going to have that education. I'm going to meet that spouse. We're going to have those kids. We're going to buy that house. And the truth is, the moment you say yes to Jesus, all hell will raise himself against you. I said, all hell will raise himself against you. Say, hey, no, 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 no. We got a different plan for you. So when we choose the life of faith, we have to understand that it's a go against the grain kind of lifestyle. The life of faith, I like to say it this way, when you choose it, you are choosing a life of confrontation. You ever have people around you in the world tell you what they think about life, liberty, justice, and the pursuit of happiness? And it's according to somebody else's experience that they inherited. They don't even have the truth for themselves. You and I have Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life living in us. But every day we are confronted with something else that says it's the truth. Y'all awake today? Society's telling our young people, live your truth, man. Be you. Do what makes you feel good. You want to go there, go there. You want to date them, date them. You want to have that, buy that. And here's the truth. It is not the truth. The word of God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, but he is the only truth. And so when you choose a life of faith, you're choosing to seek a life of confrontation against the world's way of thinking. Joshua 24, we find Joshua coming across the Jordan River after Moses has been passed away and He's got several million people with him asking him, what are we going to do, man? I mean, are we going to go ahead? Are we going to go back? What, what do you think? And Joshua 24, 15 says, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, then you choose this day. He's given them a choice. You can choose the Lord, you can choose the Lord your God, or you can choose the others, but choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that were served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell right now. But for me, everybody say, but for me. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Man, I'm praying that a mom today hears this and says, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray that the men of this house take this message to heart and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We choose confrontation. We know the truth. We have the spirit of God inside us, and we go against the grain to do what? To take back territory that the enemy's been trying to take from you. Take back things that the, the enemy's held back from you. When you choose a life of faith, you're choosing a life of offense, not defense. Hear me, hear me say this today. So many people think that faithfulness is holding the fort. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. Faithfulness is advancing the kingdom. 
You and I understand this, and, and I have to remind myself all the time, this is not my home. This is not my home. I'm on my way passing through, so while I'm here, I've been given a mandate, I've been given a purpose, and God's plan is that I dominate everywhere I go. One rapper said it this way, he said, all I do is win. And then he said it again, all I do is win, 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 win. Man, I wish the body of Christ would get that same mentality. And when we come to church, we understand we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're winners. I ain't playing defense with my life anymore. I'm on the offense, putting the devil on the run. We choose a life like Joshua did. Not only for ourselves, but for our families. But listen to this. Joshua didn't just choose for him and his family. He chose for a generation of people. I don't know if it's really important, but I don't think you need to be interested in what I'm doing with my life. That's a selfish way of living. The Bible says that God has put you as salt and light in this earth. And so when you choose the life of faith for yourself and for your kids, now you're an example in your neighborhood, on your job, in your community. And people say, what's so, what's so, what's going on with y'all? Y'all so happy back there. You're always smiling. Hey, man, we've chosen to follow God. We've chosen to, to take the path of righteousness. Then all of a sudden, people say, tell me a little bit more about that. I want to hear more about that. I want to hear more about that blessing, that, that abundant life you've talked about. And then all of a sudden now, you have an opportunity to be a minister of the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you being intentional? Are you being intentional? The truth is, as this last year for for me and for our church, we have, um, every year we, we pray and we spend 21 days at the beginning of January praying and asking the Lord, what is it that you want to do through our house? What is it you want to do through this church? What do you want to do through our resources and, and through the people of our house? And, and, and we ask the Lord, what is it that you want? And this year our, our mandate is very simple. It's love all, serve all. Love all, serve all. What does that mean? It means we're going to love everybody we come in contact with. Whether we agree with them theologically or not, we're going to love them like Christ loved them. I got to tell you this, man, when the Lord gave us, I thought, this is awesome. This is a great mandate for our church. Love everybody. Serve everybody. And I started praying this crazy prayer. Lord, send us the ones that nobody else wants. Send us the ones that don't feel comfortable going to the other churches. We'll take them. We'll love them and we'll serve them. And it sounds great in theory until they show up. It sounds great in theory until we pray that prayer and they come sit in your seat on Sunday. I don't know what kind of church I'll have, but sometimes in our church, people get comfortable and they have like their seat. Oh, this is my row. I've been sitting here for 32 years, Jack. Who are you? In our church, I'm just going to get an usher. Hey, uh, sir, uh, there's somebody sitting in our seats over here. We're going to need them to move. And then they come in, and, and then I dress the way that we dress. I wore a jacket today. I wanted to look official today. When Bishop comes and speaks at my church, he always wears a collar. I'm like, you don't need to wear the collar. We're brothers. He's like, no, I'm here on official business today. But you know what? Not everybody dresses like us. Not everybody talks like us. Not everybody that we work with and go to school with us has the same belief systems. And I'll tell you this, you can't love people on your own. It takes the Spirit of God in you to love them. You don't have the ability. 
Well, how do I get that ability? How do I get the ability to love people that, that go a different way than I do? You choose to live a life of faith. You trust him and his work that he's going to use you to bless those people. How about serving them? It's one thing when they're sitting in your seat now, you got to serve them. I got to serve their kids. I got I to help them. I got I to work with them. I just want to do my own thing. Listen, it takes a life of faith. It takes a choice to serve others. These young men and women that choose to choose to come early and set up and, and rehearse, that's a choice. They don't have to. They get to. I got to be honest with you. Serving in the local church is one of the greatest opportunities we ever get in our life. I don't want to serve. It's early. It's late. It's a lot of work. Hey, Jack, you're only here for a short time, 84 years for the average man. And guess what? You're going to go to eternity and look back and go, man, I wish I would have had a part to play in that. In the church age, I find one of the greatest opportunities to serve is with the babies, to serve with the kids, because it seems like nobody else wants to do that. So it tells me there's probably a greater blessing on those that are willing to choose that than those that are forced to. And all the children's workers said, we choose. We choose a life of faith. Listen to this. It's a choice when you decide to tithe. You don't have to tithe. You get to tithe. He said, if you'll return to me the 10%, I'll bless the other 90%. He gives you a choice. And he even says it. Prove me now, herewith says the Lord of hosts. If you do that, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. You ain't got room enough to store up. A life of faith is a choice. Everybody say, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's how we live. It's how we're called to live. In fact, Hebrews says it this way. In Hebrews 10, 38, he says, Now the just, the justified, that's you and I, shall live by faith. And if any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Living life of faith. Living this intentional life. It's a, it's a life of forward press. It's a life of forward momentum. It's future focused. You know how you live the life of faith every day? You wake up and say, I wonder what God wants to do today. I wonder where he's sending me today. I wonder who he wants me to meet today. I wonder who he wants me to bless today. I, want, I wonder who. Because it's not always about what with the kingdom. It's always about who. Hear me say that. The kingdom's not about what. It's about who. Stop worrying about what you're going to do today and start asking who you're going to meet today. Lord, what do you have for me today? No, it's who is it you want me to Love on today. He says it this way in Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He must choose. That's who he is. He's faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. He's a rewarder. He blesses those who diligently seek faith. Now, after you've chosen the life of faith, you need to understand that that life you chose, it's no longer a passive life, it's an active lifestyle. You hear people talk about this in the workplace all the time. Now, HR comes in and says, hey, you know, you guys should really be working out and eating healthy and drinking lots of water and getting outside and getting vitamin D. And we talk about lifestyle according to, to, to our bodies, but this is what we're called to do. It's an active lifestyle. And I'm not talking about Jogging, I'm not talking about eating right. I'm talking about being possessive and active through the faith life to possess what belongs to you and those around you. Listen to this out of Matthew chapter 7. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For the one who asks will always receive. Everybody say always. Not sometimes. Not maybe. Not if God's in a good mood. Always receive. For the one who is searching will always find. And the door is always open to the man who knocks. Let me ask you this. What doors are you knocking on today? What questions are you asking? What are you seeking? Because the life of faith is always believing God for something else. The life of faith is always knocking on a door that we've not gone through. Again, the life of faith is not only a choice, but it's an understanding. It's not passive. Now, some people say, well, if God wanted me to be healed, he'd drop it in my lap. No, he gave you 66 books that talk about divine healing. Get a scripture, stand on it, and knock on that door and say, hey, Lord, for me and my house, we need some of that healing in this house. I'll preach to these people over here. Y'all kind of quiet. For, for some of us, we've been living too long under. Not enough. For some of us, it's time to stretch our faith again and believe God for that raise. Everybody else is getting them raised on my job. Why not me? I don't know. Maybe you haven't asked for it. Everybody else is getting bonuses and sales commissions, but I seem to be overlooked. No, no, no. Get aggressive with it. Get in the book and find out that he says, Psalm 512, that favor goes before you. I'll open up doors and no man can close. What is that? That's the life of aggressive faith. So many people waiting on God to do something for them that he's already given them the promise. Man, crack the book, open it up, and ask him, what is it you want me to believe you for today? What is it you want me to believe for for the future? Because here's the thing, if you and I aren't asking, who is? I said, if you and I, the church, if we're not asking him for revival in our churches, and blessings on our children, who is? He's waiting for us, his children, to take him at his word and say, hey, you said it. You said it right here in Matthew 7. If I seek, I would find. If I would knock, you would open it. So here's what I'm asking, Lord. I'm asking you to do it. What is that? That sounds like arrogance. No, that's the voice of faith. That's the voice of faith. The voice of faith releases the word and goes out and get what need, what it needs. I like to say it this way. Faith approaches God directly. And puts a demand on him and his word. Listen to this in Matthew 11. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until this present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force. They seize it as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Let me ask you, does that speak of your faith? I want this to be spoken of my faith. Pastor Josh's faith, man, he saw it as a heavenly prize. And with most ardent zeal and intense exertion, he grabbed what he knew belonged to him. See, faith doesn't sit and wait. Faith steps out and acts. I love the story of Peter in the boat because here's 11 knuckleheads in a boat together. In the middle of a storm, and here comes Jesus, the guy they've been walking with for three years across the water, and 11 of them are freaking out, saying, shh, be quiet. Let it go by. It's just a ghost. And Peter is not so as he is. He starts screaming, you idiots, that's the Messiah. 
That's Jesus. That's him. Can't you see it? And in front of all of his friends, in front of everybody saying, be quiet. Let him pass by. Took an active stance in his faith and literally stood up in the boat and said, if it's you, call me out to the water. And the Bible says that he said, it's me. Come on. Walk on, brother. Let's go. And I think as he was trying to get out of the boat, the other 11 were holding on the back of his belt saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to die. Don't do it. You don't know what's out. Don't do it. It's dark out there. You know, you and I know what that feels like right now in 2023 as we're aggressively pursuing God's kingdom. Culture said, don't do it. Teachers are telling our kids, be quiet. I'm going to tell you this. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and to let the world know, hey, we not only have chosen this, but we're not passively passing through. We are aggressively taking our place. We're aggressively bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Man, I wish y'all would help me preach today. This is the heart of the Father. This is the heart of Jesus. Go get it. What belongs to you? The life of faith doesn't sit and wait and acts. The life of faith is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. It's a life for the bold. It's a life for the aggressive and those that are passionate. I love the story of Elijah and Elijah. Elijah and Elisha. The great prophet Elijah had been doing miracles through the land for, for many, many years. And one day he encounters a young man named Elisha. And he takes his jacket off and he throws it over Elisha. And he says, come, God's calling you. And the story goes on to say that he left his job, he left his family. And he pursued following Elisha because he wanted the life of faith that he saw Elijah living. He wanted to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He wanted to see his words go forth and change situations and circumstances. He was there when the fire came down. He wanted to see this in his own life. He began to talk to Elijah and said, I want that life of faith like you have. And I believe the conversation went like this. Well, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Because if you want what I have, you've got to do what I did. I had to choose, and I every day aggressively pursue God's plan for my life. And he said, I want that. I want that on my life. And he said, if you're there when the, the horses come, I'm going to be raptured. If you want that in your life, be there when I'm going up and it'll happen. And the Bible says, listen to this. It says in, in um, 2 Kings 2.14, says that he went up with a chariot of fire and he dropped his cloak. And in verse 14, it says, then he picked up Elijah's coat his mantle, his anointing. He struck the water with it and he exclaimed, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah that did all these miracles? To me, that wasn't passive faith. Lord, I got his coat. If you want me to wear it, I'll wear it. Lord, if you want me to memorize the sermons and, and preach them like he preached them, I'll preach them. Lord, if you want me to do this or do that the way it... The Bible says that he aggressively took the coat and he smote the waters. He said, where is the God of Elijah? Commanding the same faith. And the, the Bible says the waters parted. Can I say this to you, young people? You don't have to wait for someone else to give you their anointing. There's an anointing on your life. You, it's great to have heroes in the faith and admire our elders and stuff. But God has a place for you right now. All he's waiting for is a young person to aggressively say, Lord, for me in my house, for me in my life, we choose actively to follow you. Third point I want to make to you is this. 
A life of faith is anchored in God's word. You choose it. You act it out, but you have to know where it comes from. It comes from the word of God. Matthew 11, or Hebrews 11 says it this way. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, it's the firm foundation under everything that makes this life worth living. It's my handle on what I can't see. And this act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Listen to this. It goes on. I just want to read this to you out of the message. It says, by faith, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things were made by God's aggressive command. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to call, to call the call of God to travel to an unknown place that he would soon make his home. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant. Old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. I believe that these heroes of faith are important for us. But there's another generation following behind us. And you're their hero of faith. Do they have an example to follow? Will they hear their parents and their teachers and those that they've given their lives to? Will they hear them speak the life of faith? Will they see them aggressively choose God's plan? Or will they live a life of default? Just taking it as the day comes. And I think about this for my own church, and I speak this over to you today, that as our kids get ready to go back to school in the fall, it's a great opportunity for us to have a great reset and to declare, Lord, we choose you this fall. As our kids go back to school, as we reset our schedules, as we get back to work at another pace, Lord, we choose you this fall, and we declare we're not going to be passive about our faith. We're going to be active in our faith, knowing it's rooted and grounded in your word. And Lord, because you're faithful to your word, I expect everywhere I go, the favor of God to open up doors for me, that I can be a blessing to your people. Let's reestablish ourselves. Remind ourselves and those around us that in this season we live intentionally because we know that faith is our direct connect to our victory. As I wrap up, I, I just want to challenge you today. Where are you in your faith? Maybe you're brand new in your faith. Maybe you just come to know the Lord recently. I want to encourage you, man, open the book. Get in the book of John and, and open the book of Matthew. Read the stories of Jesus. And get to know him for yourself. Too many people are living on somebody else's revelation of who Christ was to them back in the day. And it's important that we have a revelation of who he is for us right now. And that as we choose to walk this out, we understand that it's our faith life that connects us to the victory that we find in the book. Let me leave you with some great news. You are a winner. You are an overcomer. God has set you up for something amazing in this season. And he's offered you a choice. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Choose for you in your house in this season. For some of us, it may be as simple as choosing to love those around us. Serving them and honoring God with our time, talent, and treasure right here in the house that God has planted us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray for you today.
I pray that you were challenged. I pray that you were provoked to take a step in your walk with the Lord. And by chance, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord. Maybe you've never made like a public profession of your faith. I want to give you that opportunity today. My greatest privilege is not preaching. My greatest privilege is to present you with an opportunity to meet Jesus. For some of you, you're here and you say, man, it seems, it seems like it's getting darker and darker outside in the world. I, I would agree with that, it is. But the Bible says that Jesus came to bring the light of the kingdom to the earth. And that wasn't just for his time when he was walking the earth, that's for you and I today. There's, there's no reason for you to walk in darkness. There's no reason for you to walk in doubt or unbelief or, or live in a state of fear. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord in one moment, your spirit's recreated. You see things differently. You'll experience this, this, this life completely differently because you're not doing it alone anymore. You're doing it with the kingdom of light living in you. For some of you, the opening of this message challenged you because you couldn't necessarily say that you're living an intentional life. You literally are living a life designed by default. You're taking the days one at a time. If I could just get through today, I'll wake up tomorrow. If I could just get through tomorrow, I'll wake up the next day. If I could just get through this week, if I could just get through this month, that's been your prayer. You've actually said that. And that's not God's best for you. His plan is that you would live with divine purpose every day. All across this auditorium and even those watching online, if you're, if you're in this house and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I, I, I need to make him the Lord of my life. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I just would just raise your hand and wave it at me. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today all across this room if you need Christ. Maybe you need direction. Maybe you need that purpose. Just wave your hand at me. I want to pray with you. Amen. Right, I see you, buddy. I see you in the back here. I see you in the back over here. Yes, I see you too, lady. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I see you right here. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Just raise your hand and wave it at me. Say, I choose Jesus today. Anybody else want to Join these brave individuals. Look at me. We're a family church. Would you guys look at me together? Open up your eyes and look at me. Man, many hands went up today, but here's what I want to do. I want to pray together, okay? Maybe you've been in this house a long time. Maybe you've prayed this prayer, but let's do this and let's welcome them into the family of God. Say this after, after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on now, say it right here from your belly. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent him to this earth to be my example. Thank you for sending him to the cross to pay a price I could never pay. Lord, today, in front of my friends and in front of my family, I choose Jesus. I choose life. I choose the life of faith. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. Come on, give some noise. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Amen, amen. Amen. 
At this time, we're going to uh, give the blessing, the final blessing at uh, PT. We give a final or closing blessing. And so if you would stand with me and hold out your hands ready to receive. And then immediately after uh, the blessing, I'm going to ask that uh, Baba Sumner and Sister Linda come forward. Uh, uh, me and the other elders, we're going to pray over them. Uh, this is their last Sunday at PT. They're going to be relocating. Baba Sumner uh, grew up in this church as a child and returned later on as an adult. And now uh, Lord is moving him on once again. And so uh, be sure to uh, greet them and give them hugs and send them off with your blessings afterwards. May the Lord bless you and protect you. Look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face shine, grim, beam, and show his pleasure on you. And may the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, his success. And remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, I receive that blessing. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching, and God bless you.